Hello, flight instructors and NAFI members. This is John Niehaus, Director of Program Development for the National Association of Flight Instructors, and I am so pleased to welcome you back to another episode of the NAFI More Right Rudder Podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. Now, this is kind of a monumentous episode for us. It's episode 11. And the reason why is because having done some research, it appears the statistics against even getting to 10 are quite high. A lot of podcasts don't make it that far. So we're still brand new. We still have a lot to learn, but uh, we've passed 10. We've made it to 11, and uh, it's been an awesome ride, and I'm, I'm really glad that uh, you've been along for it with us and, and listened to us and, and hopefully shared with your friends. <laughs> um, we do this uh, just because we really love sharing this content. And uh, if you like it, we'd love to have you as a member, too. Um, if you are interested in signing up, you can go to nafinet.org and, uh, and join us. We welcome you to the family. You don't have to be a flight instructor. You just have to be somebody who's passionate about aviation education um, and aviation safety. And, and uh, if you're on the pathway or already a flight instructor, um, certainly uh, we have a lot to share with you. Professional Development Program, Mentor Live. Um, special interest groups, uh, all kinds of stuff, um, and so we'd love to have you. Anyways, the podcast episode is actually sponsored this time by a Vemco Insurance Company. Uh, they are the exclusive provider for the NAFI Flight Instructor Insurance Plan, and they've been long, long-time supporters of NAFI and our members and frankly, really good friends. They, they've really done a lot to, uh, to help us and our members. Um, and uh, they provide, in my opinion, the, uh, the best insurance plan out there for instructors. Now, I know I work for NAFI. I'm supposed to say that, but uh, truly, they came to us years ago and asked us what uh, sort of plan would really make an impact and make a difference for instructors and uh, asked us what what should they include and and so we talked to them about it and uh, they went ahead and they did it um, the cool thing is it is exclusive to NAFI members so if you're not an, a NAFI um, instructor you do have to join before you can access it but you can get all the information before you join if you go to avemco.com or nafinet.org and look at the instructor insurance plan you'll like what you see I promise and if you've ever talked to anybody who's worked with Avemco in the past, I guarantee you the feedback will be positive. Their their customer service is the, the best in the industry. They're really, really good people. You'll love them. Um, but moving on to the actual content of this episode, it's uh, actually a recording of my talk with Catherine Cavanaro. Now, I'll introduce her when we actually get to that section, but to give you a little bit of a, a, a lead-in, um, Catherine was the 2020 National Certificated Flight Instructor of the Year. She has a PhD um, in mathematics. She specializes in um, upset recovery and aerobatics training. Such a cool person. Honestly, in, in the time that I spent talking to her, listening to her stories, the fact that she's worked with NASA um, and uh, all the cool stuff that she's done. It's its a mesmerizing talk. Um, I think you'll really like it. I had a blast talking to her. She's one of my new favorite people, and uh, I, I can't wait to uh, to work on another thing with her. Um, so I, please enjoy the uh, conversation I had with Catherine Cavanaro.
Today, my guest is Catherine Cavanaro. She is a CFI, I, MEI. She's also an ATP and a designated pilot examiner. She was inducted into the Tennessee Hall of Fame in 2018, and that same year, she was also the Fast Team Rep of the Year. In 2020, she became the National CFI of the Year. She's been instructing since 2001, roughly equivalent to uh, 19 years of instruction. She's a test pilot, a math professor, and the chief instructor for ACE Aerobatic Flight School. Catherine, welcome. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, in typical fashion, we'll just get straight into it. Uh, was, instructing, was instructing part of your original career plan, or was it something you never anticipated doing? I never anticipated uh, instructing. So, uh, you know, I was one of those kids who had always wanted to learn how to fly, but uh, I grew up in California and didn't even know about uh, the General Aviation Airport. So I, it was never in my imagination that I could become a pilot. And I uh, grew up out there um, seeing the planes land at Moffett Field. We grew up very close to Moffett Field. Uh, so I was always just amazed and, and fascinated by airplanes, but again, never thought that I could be a pilot. Uh, I was also interested in mathematics. So I did a bachelor's in mathematics uh, at Santa Clara University out in California. And then I moved to uh, Illinois Urbana-Champaign for my uh, PhD in math. And it was there that I really first saw a general aviation airport because uh, the airport there uh, had a flight school. And I went out, in fact, and tried to sign up for flying lessons, but it didn't take a PhD in mathematics to realize that what I was earning as a teaching assistant wasn't going to cut it uh, mm. in terms of uh, learning to fly. So I put that on the uh, back burner, but I would go do my homework at the airport there in Champaign, Illinois, just to see planes coming in and landing and taking off again. I just was always fascinated by them. So when I graduated Illinois uh, and was looking for my first job. It was not lost on me that Sewanee, the University of the South, actually had its own airport. It's a liberal arts college and I've never found another liberal arts college in the country that had its own airport. So I filed that away, yeah. <laughs> and then I um, got tenure. So a few years later I got tenure and in May of 99, uh, early May I got tenure. And uh, May 19th, I had my first son, and I did what everybody else would do. I walked straight out to the airport, and I signed up for flying lessons. And all I wanted to do was just fly and fly with my family and things like that. And then, of course, if you want to you know, travel more reliably and safely, you'll get an instrument rating. So I got my instrument rating. And, and then I thought, well, gosh, you know, I'd really up my skills if I became a commercial pilot. So I got my commercial certificate. And uh, then somebody said, well, gosh, you've come this far. Why don't you become a flight instructor? So uh, I'm sort of an accidental flight instructor. Uh, and I just fell in love with it. And I, you know, I would need a flight review. So I would go get another certificate or rating instead of, say, going out and getting a traditional flight review with a flight instructor. So, you know, 11 <laughs> certificates and, and ratings later, here I am. That's incredible. Yeah. I also wonder how you got any of your homework done watching airplanes. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> having having gone to school on the field at a at an airport, I <laughs> there's no way I was getting homework done. Yeah, I probably didn't get as much done there as I would have liked, but, but 
I, I got to see airplanes, so that was good. Understood. Understood. So reflecting on your instructor skill with your first student, how well do you think you did? Okay. So what I decided to do was to chat about my first aerobatic student. And um, I did a little bit of instructing after 2001 when I got my um, flight instructor certificate, but uh, there wasn't really a great opportunity for me to do that in any big scale at my local local airport. So I did, I did do a bit of that. Um, but in 2003, my mentor, the person who would become, and I'll mention who he is in a minute. Um, but, uh, he asked me to teach aerobatics with him and I had taken aerobatics from him and I had done a bunch of, uh, aerobatic flight with him. Uh, and, uh, so he brought me on board to teach aerobatics with him. And it was a time when I think he was, um, getting a little tired and I, and I, I think that it helped him. He would do the ground and then we would split the flying. Uh, so in uh, November of uh, 2003, I had my first aerobatic student and my mentor used to like to commemorate these sorts of uh, events with plaques. So I have a bunch of plaques from him. And so he framed my first dollar earned <laughs> as an aerobatic instructor. And let's see, that was Andrew McCalla, who was my um, uh, student, and it was November 5th, uh, 2004, I guess it was. So um, he did contact me. He stayed in contact with me over the years, so I must not have done too badly <laughs> if he still is in contact with me. But one thing that my mentor um, impressed upon me is that even though I didn't have a lot of hours as a flight instructor or even as a pilot, you know, he would tell me that, you know, you're as good a pilot than as, as these people that were training, because I had flown with him a lot. And he said, and you have something to share with them. And so not, I never forgot that. Uh, and that gave me the confidence to, uh, to fly with Andrew and uh, the folks later. That's incredible. It's such a cool idea. And, and it obviously made an impact if you still have it. So that's, <laughs> right, that's yeah. really neat. Well, I, he could have paid me better, but <laughs> he did pay me better than that. But that was, that was a dollar. <laughs> so speaking of this mentor, uh, who was this individual and uh, what was the most meaningful thing they taught you? Gosh. Okay. So even before I started flying, I went out to the airport, of course, because I'd love to watch planes take off and land. Uh, and this is while I was working at the university, but I hadn't signed up for flying lessons yet. I, I met this man who was always at the airport, you know, sort of the stereotypical airport bum. And uh, he, uh, he was engaging, he was funny, and, uh, and he would tell all these great stories about flights that he took. Um, and at the end, he handed me one of his books. Turns out he was an aviation author. And uh, the book was called The Basic Aerobatic Manual. And I remember looking at this book, flipping through the pictures and seeing, you know, cockpit views of an airplane upside down or pointed straight down. And I thought to myself, you know, what kind of a nut job likes doing this in an airplane? Of course, come to find out later, I am so <laughs> right. who likes to do this kind of thing in an airplane. Uh, but my mentor was Bill Kirshner who was a uh, naval pilot. He would land Corsairs on straight deck carriers at night in the Pacific. 
Uh, he was uh, an aviation author. He's written a number of books uh, that have taught generations to fly. And he was an aerobatic instructor. Um, he also loved the fact that I had a mathematics background. So I would help him with some of the math from his books. He'll, he would say something to me like, I don't understand why the stick force per G in a pull-up is this, but it's this in a turn. And so I'd run off and get a book on aerodynamics and figure it out. And then I'd write something up for him. Uh, so I did a lot of flying with him. He took me over to the University of Tennessee Space Institute, where I took some grad classes in aeronautical engineering. Uh, I helped with some uh, research projects, and they let me do some test flying there, which I loved. I was spin demonstration pilot for them. And, you know, all of that balling up my math and aviation is really because of Bill. And that's what a mentor can can do. Uh, I just can't imagine my mathematical life without aviation, and I can't imagine aviation without mathematics. I see a, an airplane, and I see a math problem, mm. which to me is really fun. I'm envious because I think you understand what's happening in flight more than, than I ever could or, or most people would just based on your mathematics background. Yeah, I try to. And um, another one of my jobs is uh, I am a monthly contributor to AOPA Pilot Magazine. Cool. And a number of those topics have me taking kind of a deep dive into the science of flight and the, just the technical side of aviation. And honestly, that's when I, I'm in my happy place. So I get to dive in and, and, you know, figure all of that stuff out and then hopefully write it up in a way that is not only accessible, but interesting and entertaining for mm -hmm. general aviation pilots. So that's, that's a really fun job of mine too. And that, I just can't imagine that uh, without having known Bill and having Bill as a mentor that, that I would be there today. Mm -hmm. So what's the most valuable non-aviation skill you've learned as a flight instructor? So um, I think it's being able to assess how your student is doing in terms of when they've had enough, when they've reached that saturation point. And, you know, sometimes when you have a student who's just had enough, it's time to just land the plane and chat about it on the ground. Um, uh, you know, having these really long flights doesn't, uh, doesn't necessarily help people. And also, you know, I see people when they are uh, really at their most vulnerable. A lot of times people come to me not for aerobatics, not because they're just looking for a thrill in an airplane. They come to me because they're afraid to stall an airplane. Mm -hmm because they know that a spin might be around the corner. And so what I try to do is I, I try to take people over the edge so they understand in a safe environment so they know what the edge looks like. Um, and, you know, every once in a while you, you just think, okay, this person has had enough. We should land and, you know, get some lunch or just chat and take a break. But then sometimes people need a nudge. And uh, I'll tell you a story about a recent, uh, maybe a year or two ago, uh, about a, um, he was 16 at the time, and okay. he was a student pilot, uh, no, I, I, he was maybe 15, just about to solo, and his parents really wanted him, and his flight instructor wanted him to have a good dose of stall and spin training uh, so that he would be safer when he would go out and solo. So uh, we went up and, uh, you know, we did some stalls, and I could tell he was pretty nervous, 
And then it came time to spin. And I said, Leo, let's, uh, let's go ahead and spin the plane. And he looked at me and he said, I don't want to. And I, <laughs> I thought, hmm. You know, and I, when I looked over at him, at the time, he was exactly the same age as my son, Pete. So, you know, I looked over, here is somebody else's Pete. And I need to not screw this up right? Whether he's 15 or 45, I need to not screw this up. Is this, does Leo need a push or does he need to go back down and let's chat on the ground? And that's something that I'm always trying to weigh. What is in this student's best interest? And uh, so I decided that Leo needed the nudge. <laughs> and so I said, Leo, I think we need to we need to spin this airplane. <laughs> so, so we did. And, you know, it's pretty surprising at first. And, uh, and then I said, well, Leo, I think we need to do it again because you can't spin with somebody once because at first it's just this blur. Mm -hmm. And what I want them to do is I want them to get over that hump. Uh, that first spinning flight is just so that they, they understand that everything that I said was going to happen is, is going to happen exactly the way uh, I said it was so that they get confidence that they are predictable. Uh, so we actually spun a few times, and uh, so Leo went away. He was going to come back the next day uh, for for the other lesson, and his parents called me that night, and they said, I don't know what you did, but he is so excited about coming back, <laughs> and he was there early the next time. He absolutely loved it, so it's it's cool to get it right, but it, I tell you, it's as a flight instructor, it's it's always in the back of my mind what is in this student's best interest. Um, so I think it's just learning to read a student is probably the most valuable non-aviation skill uh, I've learned. So what do you enjoy most about flight instruction? What's cool for me, and you could see it with Leo as an example, is just seeing self confidence grow. Uh, I've had people will typically write me after they go home, they'll write me an email or, or maybe a card or something. And they'll say that, wow, my everyday flying, I feel so much more confident just in everyday flying. And that that's really cool. Um, a few years ago, I had a fellow who uh, we did aerobatics and upset training. And then he uh, was flying his I think it was something like a a TBM with his family in the back and he said that he got into some pretty good updraft and the plane actually went inverted oh. and yeah and uh, he said that he wanted to tell me that his um, training kicked in and that you know he pushed and rolled to upright and you know it was a it was really a um, an impactful moment because his family was in the back and you could you could tell how much that meant to him and just that one call is worth a lifetime of my instructing and you know I've, I've heard other I've had other calls like that too but all it takes is one for my time as a flight instructor to be completely worth it um, so that's my favorite thing is is making people safer and helping them be more confident and uh, and know their airplane better yeah Oh, it, it does feel really good when uh, um, those moments are proven uh, and they come back to you and say, oh my gosh, I, I, I may not have uh, completely understood what you were going for, but I do now. And right. I'm so thankful we did what we did. Yeah. 
So what's your most interesting, scary, or fun story as a flight instructor? Okay, first of all, I've got scads of these. I, <laughs> I, I tell people as a flight instructor, I have seen it all, I think. Uh, but one um, years ago, when Bill was still alive, unfortunately in 2007, he passed away. Um, but uh, before that, you know, we each have a Cessna Aerobat. His is now, by the way, in um, the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. And my matching Aerobat, Wilbur, his was Orville, um, is, uh, is the one that I use. But at the time, we were using both airplanes. So I had a student, um, and Bill was doing the ground. And for upsets, Bill would always say, push and roll, push and roll. You know, if you get inverted, you want to push and roll, push and roll. So what people traditionally do is they get kind of nervous when you invert the airplane and basically say, hey, you're airplane. And uh, he, um, he remembered the push part, but he didn't remember the roll part. And, you know, pushing doesn't do you a whole lot of good without the roll to upright because uh, it doesn't last long. Inverted flight in uh, most general aviation aircraft won't last long because the you know, they don't have inverted systems and, and our planes don't have inverted systems. So he remembered the push, but not the roll. And he pushed A pretty hard and he was also really tall. So, uh, and let me back up too. Bill's airplane that we were flying at the time never had an intercom. So you'd be, you know, kind of yelling across the, the engine. It was pretty loud in that airplane. And uh, after I, I said, we rolled the plane to upright. I said, okay, you know, let's, let's try this again. And then I realized I had to yell louder than I did before. And I looked up next to me and the skylight had a, an, a head shaped oh, hole. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I said, well, you know, why don't we take, why don't we take a break? <laughs> so we landed the airplane and fortunately we had Wilbur. So I went ahead and took Wilbur up and we finished the lesson. But uh, yeah, those skylights aren't very thick. And when you really <laughs> call and you push and you don't roll, you can easily go right through it. And the amazing thing is he didn't know he had gone through the skylight. So it, it was, I guess there was so much adrenaline and the skylight is not very thick anyway. So anyway, I, again, I've seen it all. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> so... Um, in your mind, what quality or skill makes for an exceptional flight instructor? Okay, so I have, uh, um, one of my big things is ground school. I, I really um, value ground school. I tell students that everything we do on the ground is as important as what we do in the airplane. And then everything we do in the airplane is as important as what we do on the ground. So I try very hard to make my ground instruction um, interesting, exciting, uh, educational. Uh, I usually send people a book ahead of time. Uh, I usually send them Bill's book uh, on aerobatics to read ahead of time. And uh, I tell them, you know, whatever you can absorb from this book is good. You know, some people read it five times and can recite it. Some people look at the pictures and, uh, you know, no matter anything there in between is going to help ground school be more of a conversation. My long tenure as a mathematics professor uh, has made it very clear that people have a limited capacity to listen to technical kinds of things, right? right. Very long. So, um, so I like to make it a conversation. So first of all, I have people do a little bit of a home homework and uh, people generally kind of get into that. 
and I produce my own videos um, that show aerodynamic qualities of the aircraft in various phases of flight, installing and spinning and, and other things. Uh, I'm pretty proud of those videos. Uh, so I, I've made those generally for ground school. Uh, I also give uh, safety presentations for FAA and AOPA and I use those in uh, those presentations. Um, so I would say attention to good grounds instruction. I mean, a lot of people, we just want to run to the airplane, but uh, I think if you run too quickly, you're really robbing your student of those aha moments that we hope they have. And my instruction always is on multiple flights. So when I spin with somebody, it's always on multiple flights with ground before each flight. And that way, you know, they that first flight, say for spinning, is uh, meant for them to um, to just get confidence that everything I said was going to happen happens exactly the way I said it was going to happen. So it's a real confidence builder. But the learning really happens on subsequent flights, and it's it. I'll tell you, even in the debrief after the last flight, you see ah, you know, you see the light go off and the aha moments. So. Uh, ground instruction is is a big one for me. What aspect of flight instruction best prepared you for what you do now? So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a mathematician and I see an airplane and I see a math problem. Uh, so, for me, it is uh, an opportunity. Aviation provides an opportunity to uh, continually learn myself the technical aspects of uh, flying and of aviation and then sharing that uh, with others. Uh, like I say, I do that in my safety presentations, uh, my ground school, and my articles in AOPA Pilot Magazine. So then, piggyback question then, um, how did you leverage your time as a CFI to get into, say, the aerobatics life and the other things that you do? Uh, let's see. So, uh, again, I think I have, I probably have too many jobs, right? <laughs> but the thing is, I love every one of them. And the beautiful thing for me is that um, whenever I'm studying the technical side of aviation, I'm, I'm doing math, and it's going to be something I'm going to use in an article. It's going to be something that I'm going to be uh, using in a presentation. It's something I'm going to be using in ground school. And with me continuing to learn, it makes me a better pilot. It makes me a better instructor, which is something that I'm always trying to do. I'm always trying to learn new things. Uh, and fortunately, aviation uh, is going to give me a lifetime of opportunities to learn new things. There's not a week that goes by that I don't learn something I didn't either know or maybe I forgot. Uh, but that's my favorite thing about aviation is it's just huge. And and there's always something to either learn or get better at. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. Um, final question. So if you could give a new instructor uh, a piece of advice for success in the industry, what would it be? I'd say uh, be honest about the time commitment that, um, or the, the time that you have to offer to aviation as a flight instructor. For example, as I mentioned, I have a lot of jobs. And so the best kind of instructing or the kind of instructing that works best for me 
uh, is more shorter term commitments. So when I do spins and acro with folks, I schedule for a day or two or three days and I completely block out that time uh, so that whatever that student needs is what the student is going to get. Um, if we need to take longer breaks between the flights, if we need to break up the flights in, into shorter, more shorter ones, I can do that. Um, so really when I put somebody on the calendar, my, that day is completely blocked out for that student. Uh, one thing that I try to do is I try to pour myself into it so that every student walks away thinking that was the best instruction I've ever had. Uh, you know, it's something that I hope they feel and uh, it, that's my goal is that I will do what I can to make sure somebody walks away saying, wow, that was worth it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's something that we can all do as flight instructors. I love it. And, and I've got sort of one bonus question for you, if I may. Sure. Um, for those instructors who may be looking at uh, trying to pick up aerobatic instruction themselves, uh, any quick piece of advice? I think, first of all, find a good mentor. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got to get some practice really alone because uh, before you see people when they are at their most vulnerable, you really have to just know that airplane. Um, upside and down, you know, uh, literally. <laughs> and uh, so that by the time you have a student, you know, you're, you are so comfortable with that airplane uh, that if somebody does something surprising, and like I've said, I've seen it all, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that you have the confidence and the demeanor uh, to help that person regroup and, um, uh, and learn to uh, deal with unusual attitudes. Well, there you have it, folks. Catherine Cavanaro, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and real quick, do you uh, have any projects you're working on or anything you have on the horizon? Okay, I always have projects. Um, probably as I grow as a, a pilot, uh, my next goal is to get my glider instructor certificate. Um, so so uh, I added glider privileges to my commercial certificate a number of years ago. So I'd like to work on my glider certificate. I think that's going to make me even better as a pilot. So I'm excited about that. And again, I'm always taking deep dives into technical um, areas of aviation and writing about those in AOPA pilot. So uh, if anyone has um, comments on any of my articles, I love to hear them. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot. John, this is a pleasure.